Picture this. Wednesday, January 6, 2021. A joint session of Congress was set to convene in the U.S. Capitol to certify Joe Biden's electoral vote win. At noon, Trump begins speaking to his supporters at a rally near the White House. We will never give up. We will never concede, Trump tells the cheering crowd. Vice President Mike Pence reject Biden's victory and return the votes to the states. Before Trump even finishes speaking, supporters from his rally begin to assemble outside the U.S. Capitol. Protesters overpowered the police as they stand on the stairs leading up to the Capitol, forcing them to retreat inside. As a mob scales the last remaining police barriers, protesters on the sidelines applause, and Trump supporters storm the Capitol. You may be wondering how we went from a somewhat united democracy to a polarized country filled with anger for the other side. Hi everyone, welcome to our first episode of Algorithm of Opinion. Today we'll be talking about social media polarization. Worldwide, polarization has emerged as a serious problem. Worldwide leaders have ruthlessly exacerbated societal differences. The leaders of the opposition frequently add fuel to the fire by using their own anti-democratic and aggressive strategies in return. For instance, in Turkey, the leader of the largest opposition party incited unrest by urging the military to oppose his probable presidential run in 2007. However, unlike in most nations, polarization in the U.S. is not solely the product of polarizing politicians fanning the flames of conflict. It has strong societal roots and is the result of an intense socio-culture conflict between Republicans and Democrats. Political leaders, therefore, find it difficult to reverse the country's divisiveness, even if they so choose. The United States has had intense partisanship for an exceptionally long time, which has caused it to influence both social and political life. At least since the 1960s, there have been growing divisions that have gotten worse over the past 50 years. The majority of other current polarization examples have happened in a more recent history. Ideas of polarization. Donald Trump, for example, created a huge divide by making the idea that his followers should despise the other side of Democrats. The politicians who play the most significant role in exacerbating polarization mainly benefit from it and bear little of the cost. Yeah, I mean, in a democracy, some division is inevitable. There's always going to be varying opinions. But as the years have passed, thoughts of the opposing side have become more negative than ever. Democrats attack Republicans, and Republicans attack Democrats. This issue has become more predominant as we are introduced to this idea of social media polarization. The media sector is currently being disrupted by technology, especially with the rise of social media, which amplifies the impact of these polarizing figures. Take filter bubbles, for instance. Being isolated from knowledge and perspectives that you haven't already demonstrated an interest in or being in a filter bubble could result in the loss of critical information. Peter King, former congressman, states, It began with cable television and it's gone on through social media because you can live in a parallel universe, you can live in your own echo chamber, uh, your own silo, where you only hear what you want to hear. And uh, in many cases, all the facts are true, but they're taken out of context. When everyone is trapped in their bubble, the problem just worsens. For instance, when everyone assumes they are getting the complete story about a current incident, but they are only getting a fraction of it, no one can make an informed judgment, and it becomes difficult to have a meaningful conversation about the facts. This is how filter bubbles lead to lack of understanding and a refusal to consider opposing viewpoints and unfavorable information. Nowadays, many people are creating a habit of logging onto social media as a part of their routine, seeing something that irritates or angers them, then repeating the cycle indefinitely. That is true for almost everyone. You believe that what you see when you access Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, or YouTube is an accurate portrayal of your community. 
You may be getting comments from friends or other users when you interact with it, but what you perceived and experienced were judgment calls made by these highly complex automatic algorithms. These systems were designed to precisely choose which posts should be merged, how to arrange these posts, and how to deliver them to you in a way that will most successfully engage very particular triggers. Fashion influencer and former editor of Harper's Bazaar, Chrissy Rutherford, states. Yeah, I think if you're someone who has certain types of political views, you're likely only going to ever see content that reflects the views that you have or that you would like to see reinforced. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. This is partially why people continue to use these apps. From Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and Twitter, opinions are constantly being told and spread. But they're also being combated with the opposite views. Social media is a spectrum, and I mean, with billions of users around the world, young to old, and everyone has a different idea of what's right, I mean, social media consists of random internet fights in Instagram comment sections about whether or not Kylie Jenner has lip filler or even if Donald Trump has a spray tan. The conversations we uselessly argue about create separation between us, and this idea of cancel culture comes into play as the side grows further apart. For those who are unaware, cancel culture rose to prominence in 2017. This notion that when someone does something that offends people, they quote-unquote cancel them. I'm sure most people have heard about some of the most popular helpful cancellations, like J.K. Rowling. I believe that calling someone out for accountability is a way to increase social justice. This is a way of fighting some of the power imbalances that exist between many leaders and public figures. Getting a collective group together to cancel someone is the somewhat only way for people without power to feel they're fighting back. I mean, there's a mob mentality that kind of exists. As a group of people come together to cancel an individual, I mean, in a sense, cancel culture only exists on our phones. If you were to put your phone down, I mean, nothing would be real, and very rarely have we seen people be able to cancel a whole company. Maybe this would cause a sales dip, but when talking about canceling individuals, it's a different story. I agree. It does only exist in our phones. However, our phones have become our whole life. Everything now gets put on the internet. We stare at our phones just online arguing with people who disagree with our own opinions. This itself is driving polarization heavily. You're right. At this point, even if we put the phones down, it has become more real with the two sides having heavy opinions on the subject. Republicans and Democrats strongly disagree on this, as Republicans believe that cancel culture is, quote-unquote, canceling anyone they disagree with, mean-spirited actions meant to cause others harm, and an attack on traditional American society. I believe that cancel culture damages freedom of speech and inflicts self-censorship. Democrats have inflicted cancel culture heavily, and it can be harmful. I never really thought about cancel culture affecting self-censorship, but the more I think about it, I as a student feel worried to share my beliefs with others. I just feel like, in my heart, that cancel culture is intended for social justice. However, it has not just been Democrats integrating cancel culture into society, the right side has also been using it. For instance, the Dixie Chicks, a popular band from the 2000s, had their tour canceled because when they shared their beliefs, not everyone agreed. Another example is the NFL player Colin Kaepernick, who participated in the Black Lives Matter movement by peacefully demonstrating. Republicans shamed him and claimed that he was disgracing America. However, all he was doing was exercising his freedom to oppose injustice and violence. The right wing is very vocal about how wokeness is changing society, but Republicans are not blameless in this situation. Wait, yes, I never thought about it in that way. When thinking about cancel culture, I almost only thought about it about Democrats because most examples of Republican cancel culture are from long in the past. I mean, I think that cancel culture has the intent of social justice, but it has negative effects on freedom of speech. Today, about 40% of Americans say they keep quiet or withhold their true opinions out of concern for negative consequences. 
colleges specifically have had more of an increase of censorship by censoring some words like crazy, for example. Colleges should be a place for open discussion and intellectual inquiry, but today almost all colleges silence expression. Totally agree. Many people in this world have become super censored in their views, especially in their social media posts. For example, Chrissy Rutherford says, there were certain words I didn't use, and I also have an editor that I work with, so mm. she was kind of like another set of eyes to sort of keep me in check. So, like, I never said the word starving, because, mm. like, that could be triggering to people. Instead, I would say, like, you know, I was on a restricted diet. She has an editor to help her make sure she doesn't use any words that could be offensive to others. Many people would believe this to be self-censorship, but also in a sense, it is just trying to respect the triggers of others. I believe that when people cannot discuss with those who disagree with them is when the problem gets more prominent. There is a gap, not just between ideologies, but also between strategic ways of resolving ideological conflicts and dealing with wrongdoing. It may come as a shock to learn that the traditional route of forgiveness is no longer sufficient. However, it's a valuable tool for those who see cancel culture as a continuation of the struggle for substantive change led by civil rights activists. It is also evident to say that despite its controversy, cancel culture is here to stay. As the term cancel culture becomes more popular, the conflict regarding cancel culture has become more dominant. Just to add some data to that, the social divide between Democrats and Republicans has grown over the past 30 years. As of 2017, 44% of Democrats and 45% of Republicans held this negative opinion of the other side. Through its suppression of free speech through self-censorship in the public sphere, toxic discourse resulting from cancel culture ultimately contributes to the erosion of democracy. For democracy to work, there must be freedom of speech. Citizens must have open channels of communication to express their preferences if the goal of democracy is for the government to take care of the needs and preferences of its populace. The public preferences required for democracy cannot be discussed and properly communicated to the government if speech is constrained through self-censorship. Suppressing free speech reduces people's exposure to novel ideas, harming our reason and capacity for complex situational analysis. Yeah, limiting the flow of information makes it more challenging for a democracy to function properly. These societal pressures, which are blatant in cancel culture, have the potential to disrupt our democracy. I mean, for example, the discussion we just had here. We don't agree on everything. We respect and listen to others' opinions to further gain knowledge. We work together to create ideas and come to new conclusions, and this is how democracy thrives. Yeah, the discussion we had here is a perfect example. To even have a democracy, we have to be able to have meaningful discussions. It's just hard when polarization entrenches itself and becomes self-perpetuating. Polarizing actions and reactions feed on each other, dragging countries into a downward spiral of anger and division. We're in a downward spiral, and social media should be used as a platform to have meaningful discussions, not a place where people spread violent words and harm. All of us as a society are staring at our phones full of rage for the other side. Agreed. Social media itself is not the issue. Instead of turning off social media, turn off the algorithm. Turn off that part of your brain that is convincing you that those who do not agree with you are unwelcome because our society cannot thrive on division. Thank you everyone for listening and I hope you learned something new. Come back next time. Ooh.